Hello, hello. You're listening to the Career Changemaker podcast. Having the courage to leave a career that you have worked hard to build and try something else can be tough. So in each episode, we dive into key career change strategies so that you have a clear understanding of what is required to transition into a new role or a new industry without feeling like you have to start at the bottom or have to take a massive pay cut because hashtag ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) If you are ready for frank and honest discussions about how to become a career change maker, keep listening. I'm your host, lawyer turned career strategist and executive coach Janine Esbrand. Hello and welcome to the show. Today we're going to be talking about midlife career pivots. So if you are someone who has been on a certain career path on a certain trajectory for a number of years, but you're considering making a pivot and doing something different and you feel some resistance and reluctance around that, today's episode is absolutely one that you want to lean into, grab a notebook, take some notes because... I am interviewing an amazing fellow coach and fellow former lawyer, Dr. Carol Parker Walsh, about what you can be doing to maximize your success when it comes to a midlife pivot. Carol teaches professional women how to own their narrative, how to design a career, brand and life that they love. I know, I know. So aligned with all that we talk about and what we stand for here at Career Change Makers. So I'm super excited to dive in and talk to her. So many golden nuggets that you're going to love. So without further ado, let's go. Hi, Dr. Carol. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Before we dive into all the awesomeness that I want to talk to you about, can we start by you introducing yourself and uh, telling everyone a bit about you? Absolutely. Well, my name is Dr. Carol Parker Walsh, and I love working with individuals, particularly high achieving executives, C suite um, female leaders who are looking to either promote or pivot or reinvent their career and really deciding that even though they've climbed a ladder of success, they may possibly have climbed the wrong one. And so now they're looking to explore something that um, is more meaningful and fulfilling and, and more valuable to them at the stage of their lives and the stage of their journeys. And uh, we also do work with organizations as well. We do organizational consulting and and teaching and training and um, uh, work group development and things of that nature, helping to unlock innovation and advance inclusive leadership and safety and trust and sustainable accountability within organizations. So we do a little bit of both. In terms of my background, I um, started my career as a attorney. I did labor and employment law and employment discrimination for several years. And then I transitioned into doing organizational and diversity consulting before that was even really a thing <laughs> back in the late 90s and uh, early 2000s. And um, and then I along the way, I decided to go back. And after I got my a master's in organizational development, I went on and got my doctorate in um, human development and organizational systems, which I love. So it gave me a different lens in which to look at the individual and their relationship to their choice of occupation and how they function in organizational settings. So it was really a kind of a fascinating look at how women thrive and survive within um, organizations. And um, so I moved into academia and I taught and became the director of graduate programs. So I started teaching leadership and things of that nature and 
became an associate dean until at the precipice of my 50th birthday, I made the biggest pivot of all and decided to start my own business. And I've been doing this work ever since. Oh my goodness, <laughs> there's so much in there. Um, there's so many synergies in terms of our backgrounds, like you being a lawyer, me being a lawyer, and then the type of work that you do too. So I'm just excited to have this conversation with you. Yes, um, yes. And, and it's just so interesting. You mentioned, you know, people climbing the wrong ladder. And I want to like explore that a little bit more because that is so, so common. Uh, but before mm-hmm. we do that, can you share a little bit about that transition from being a lawyer to then moving into this space that you're eventually in now, but you've kind of done various aspects of um, supporting women in their careers and their development and then going into organizations. But that transition from lawyering into this space is quite a big yes. transition. <laughs> so what yes. that for you? Yeah, you know, I think what's really interesting as I look back on the journey. So back in the 80s, organizational development wasn't really even a thing. And or at least it wasn't a very popular thing. I'll put it that way. And um, as like a career choice, most of the people who did that work were industrial psychologists or it came out of that place or people were doing training and development and, you know, kind of working their way through it to really do the type of coaching and the support work that we do today in the work that we're doing. So I think when I look back, had I known about the profession, it's so much more aligned with my values and how I like to work in the world. I probably would have chosen it. But what I realized is that in all of my career transitions, there was one underlying thread that went through all of them, which was, and this is the reason why we went to law, into law school, was that I knew that we spent the majority of our lives at our jobs mm-hmm. and that what we, we should enjoy it. That it should not be a miserable experience. Yes. <laughs> that was the fundamental reason why I went to law school because I had a horrible boss and I had a miserable experience. And I thought, you know, I really wanted to help and represent employees to have a better way of working. So I didn't really go into law to sue organizations or to mm-hmm. right the wrongs of man. I really went to help employees love what they do and not really having a language or another way to see that process. I decided to go into law. And even in the years of practicing, what is true is that there are aspects that I loved and aspects I didn't, which happens, I think, with most people in their careers. And what I found, the part that I loved was when I was able to you know, almost coach people through a situation or Mm -hmm. do some training and development around, you know, people's rights within the workplace and to really support people on their journey in their career. And even though I was good at it, I didn't really enjoy the fighting in the courtroom. The thing about law, as you know, is that by nature, the profession is adversarial. Like you're Mm -hmm. just, you're you're set to fight. (laughs) And As a value of mine, I realized that I didn't want to be in that mode day in and day out of trying to one-up my opponent and win the case and argue, you know, all of these motion calls and do all of this stuff to really get to the core of the issue, which was the employee who was not having a good experience in their workplace. And so it took me a while to really realize that it wasn't the profession itself. It was just me and the profession that really did jive. I mean, I was successful. I definitely won cases and, you know, defended my clients well. But I realized I didn't want to be in that setting. And that's what helped me to transition into organizational work because I, the first, my transition into it started with the idea that I would go into organizations and help them not be sued. 
Like, how can I go in and now take what I know on the other end yes. and teach you how to perform better so we don't get into these these situations? And that's kind of like what really prompted the journey to move forward. Yeah. But even as I look at over the course of now almost 30 years since I was a lawyer, that thread still runs through, which was I want to help people love what they're doing and love yeah. where they're doing it. Oh, that's so powerful. I love that, that there's that thread, because I think sometimes when people are feeling dissatisfied in their careers, it feels as though they need to throw everything away. But often you can find that thread or most of the time you can find that thread. And it's like when you can pinpoint what about what you're doing isn't working and you are clear on the bits that are working, then you can see how can I do more of that. Um, Mm -hmm. And just as you were speaking about the fact that you were in the law, but it was that it was the employment side of the law so that you were still able to support people with writing or having a better workplace experience. Um, I think that's really interesting because as you were talking, I was thinking about, I practice as a corporate lawyer and the bits that I enjoyed about being a corporate lawyer was the fact that you start off with this transaction and everything's very abstract. And Mm -hmm. essentially we know we're trying to get somewhere and then we have to like pull all these pieces together to get it over the line. Like that's the bit that I liked. And when I worked with my clients at the beginning, it feels very abstract. Like I know I want to move, but I don't know what I want to do. And then when we get to pull all the pieces together and like get them to a place where they have clarity, that's where I get the satisfaction. And I never made yes. those, connected those dots before, before you said that. So I realized that there's that thread there too. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And that's one of the things that's fundamentally what I try to help my clients do when they come to me with that. Oh, I don't know what I want to do. And I know this is what I want to do. And I think it's because we need to just take things to a level deeper. We look so surface. We look at titles and job descriptions and degrees and certifications. And we think we wrap that in a ball thinking, well, this is all I can do. But when you go underneath as to what prompted you into going into that or what, what was, what pieces were exciting and motivating and, what what were you trying to go after when you decided to go into this profession? It helps to open up the possibility of so many other things you can do with just yeah. the underlying rationale and values and, and reasoning that you, you know, had at the time that you decided to go into those professions. And the yeah. skill sets you were using, right? You were probably right. using a set of skills that you didn't even realize you were using, just like how you described. And you're like, wait a minute, I kind of like that combination work and the way that that's done. And I want to do more of that. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. So good. So let's talk a little bit about what you mentioned earlier around climbing the wrong ladder, because Mm -hmm. especially when you're working with women who have invested time, like years, sometimes decades on a path, climbing the ladder, then they get to a point and they're like, yeah, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Can you speak to, in your experience, like the people that you've worked with, what do you think one causes people to climb the ladder so high before they realize that it isn't the right ladder? And two, where the resistance is or why there's so much resistance around like finding your alternative? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'll just even use my situation as an example. Um, You know, part of the reason that I say that is because I, I know the experience, but You know, the thing I think that makes it so difficult and why we stay on the ladder is kind of like the sunk cost fallacy, 
right? Is yes. the idea, right, that I've already put in the time, I put in the money, I put in the effort. And like for the women that I usually work with who are usually at midlife, right, they're at the top of that ladder. Now they have a mortgage and they have kids tuition payments that are coming up or about to start college or they have an aging parent that they need to take care of and they've adjusted themselves to a certain lifestyle and they probably have worked their way up into a position where they have a relative amount of freedom and flexibility to do the things that maybe they they want to do, right? So they spend a lot of time, most people who are at that place, spend, they use up that vacation. These people are yeah. not the people that are like, <laughs> oh no, I have vacation left. No, they're like, let's squeeze it out, you know, to as much as we can get. And so I think that's one of the reasons why once they hit a certain point, they feel like they've hit a point of no return. And so coming back down the ladder at that point then feels it feels unpractical. It yes. feels selfish. It feels like, well, I had my turn and I should have done this 20 years ago or 15 years ago or 10 years ago, but oh, well, now all I have to do is just write it out to retirement. So we start talking ourselves into that. And the other thing I think too, for women in particular, is that we're good at suffering. Yeah. We're really good at settling. We're really good at talking ourselves into, well, this is yeah. okay, right? At least I have enough money to go on a vacation. Oh, at least I have enough money, right? So we're very good at really settling and justifying and kind of suffering through for the benefit of other people around us. So I think the combination of some cost fallacy and that typical nature of us and women, I think combined is the reason that we reach a certain rung on the ladder and we just decide, well, we might as well just ride this puppy up until we, we get to the top, can retire. And then so the idea then of stepping out of that when you have created this world, if you will, around yourself, is that there's this other false belief that if I step off the ladder, then everything is going to collapse, mm. that I'm going to I'm going to fall off the ladder. I'm going to break a leg. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be unemployed. I'm going to be homeless. And so is everyone in my family. I mean, the narrative becomes we go from one extreme to the other. Yeah. And for the clients that I work with, what I often talk about is building a bridge strategy because it's, it's this it's this myth that the first thing people think about when they want to make a pivot is that they have to do it now, they have to go cold turkey, and they have to go all in. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that there's never a thought that, well, maybe a year or two, <laughs> I can make a plan and get to, like, if for some reason that becomes removed from the possibility because they're just thinking about the worst case scenario. And so the first thing that I like to do is talk about how do you build a bridge from where you are to where you want to go? Mm -hmm. And then that's the work. The work is the bridge building so that yes. you know what direction to build the bridge, how sturdy to build the bridge, how long the bridge needs to be. Is it a little short thing that's hopping over a little lake or is it massive that needs to cross over an ocean? And so by you understanding that, then it gives you the breadth and the bandwidth and the space to be able to take the journey in a way that doesn't feel as if other people are going to be sacrificed or that you're losing everything that you've already worked for. Yeah, absolutely. And I was actually talking, I was doing a live stream today and I was talking about the sunk cost fallacy and how it stops so many people from like just deciding that what I've done so far is not the path that I want to continue to take. And I think it's important to recognize that you exploring what 
alternatives could look like is not the same as you handing in your notice so like yes. you said people are thinking like right if I make a move I've got to do it today and it's like no you're just exploring right now we're not asking you to go and tell your boss that you're leaving <laughs> we're not asking you to yes do that. we're just yes. going through an exploration phase so that you as to your point you can build a bridge and decide and I talk about you know the fact that you can make a shift a pivot or a leap and yes. if you're leaping that's probably going to take you months, if not a couple of years. If you're just doing a shift or a pivot, that's doable in a short right. time frame. So it's just understanding like, what kind of move am I trying to make? Then what exactly. needs to happen? And all of this happens behind the scenes. Like you're not, you don't, have to, tell, <laughs> you don't have to tell anyone anything yes. until you've made like concrete decisions. And I think that's something for people to take away because I it's almost like people are like I can't think about it no because if I think about it it means that I'm doing it and I don't want to do it because I don't feel confident yeah exactly exactly and I think the other two things I think sometimes people are afraid to give themselves the space to do that because they know they should be doing something different and they're yeah. afraid of what that would mean so they don't even want to explore it because they know no I'm not happy and I want to do something different but they think maybe I can't do anything about that and then the other thing I think you asked me about like what holds them back is that you know, and you said it like other people telling other people what you're doing, right? I always say that people can't see beyond their own limitations. And so yeah. if you decide to start telling people that I have a vision for doing something different and they can't, they don't have that vision for themselves or can't even phantom you doing that, then they're going to try to hold you back. They're going to tell you, are you crazy? Like, and again, my own experience, I, I, I have not, I practiced law for 10 years. I have not practiced law for 20. Yeah, And when I still tell people sometimes that I was a lawyer, I still get, why did you stop? <laughs> All right, maybe you could go back. Like, what no, I don't want to go back. <laughs> right. Like, what were you thinking? And I'm thinking, you know, how, how long is this? Like, I don't even think about that life anymore. <laughs> but you have so many people who are like thinking that that's like some type of pinnacle of career professionalism yeah. and that I'm crazy even to this day for walking away from it. And and I think there's still people that probably have hope that maybe I'll come to my <laughs> senses and go back and practice law. I don't know. But, you know, I think that if you rely on external validation and the opinions of others to be your guiding post to, you know, cross that bridge to either make, like you say, the small pivot or, or the bigger shift, then you're going to stay where you are. And I think that sometimes contributes to people not making a move because of the voices of other people yeah that they are they are interpreting to be the voice of reason yeah yeah and i also think it's like there's certain professions too that have like that status or as you guys mm. would say status <laughs> where it's like <laughs> you know like if you're a doctor if you're a lawyer if you're an accountant like there's certain professions but I don't think people spend enough time really digging into what does it actually mean on a day-to-day -day basis to do that job? Because when you start breaking things down based on like what you actually have to do and then you can align that to what you're good at and what you actually like doing, I think we'd find a lot less people in the wrong roles because it's yes. like, oh yeah, let's be a lawyer because that's a great job to have. It's like, but great to who? Like Exactly. Exactly. And I think... Exactly. And I think it's, it's, it's great to other people, right? We, you know, we're pack animals by nature. So we want to be loved, liked and accepted and cheered on by our community and the people around us. And if you have gotten these subtle messages 
or very direct messages I think our society gives us. But if you got any subtle messages around you, if you started saying, you know, I think I want to be a bartender (laughs) or a lawyer, like, which do you think people are going to cheer you on (laughs) to be, right? Or even if you're debating between being a teacher, which is still a great profession, and a lawyer, the first thing people will think about is, oh, but you can make so much more money as a lawyer and leave everything else on the table about, well, what do you want to do? Or what are you good at? Or why do you want to be a teacher? What is inspiring you about wanting to do that? What skill sets are you going to use? What's the legacy you get to leave as being a teacher as opposed to, you know, being a lawyer and, and hating it. I mean, I think that's why there's so many of us who are recovering from being lawyers because (laughs) of that reason, that it's not just about the money and the title and the prestige. It's so much more than that. At the end of the day, yes, you may have the income, but if you're miserable, is it really worth it? Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, the same people that will say like, oh, it's great. You, you're in that role. They're not the ones that are there at like 1 a.m. and like 3 in the morning when you're working no, on a deal not, or no, a transaction. They're not working. Absolutely. Like, when I was practicing law, I worked 80 hour weeks. Oh. I mean, I worked every day. I worked 10 hours during Monday through Friday, 10 to 12 hours Monday through Friday. And I worked six to eight on the weekends. I mean, it's wild. It's right. Wild. That, yeah, the exchange rate is not the same. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's the thing. I think, like, you know, when people will talk about, okay, you get paid so much, but it's like, okay, but sometimes if you look at how many hours we're working and you were to break that down to the hourly rate and compare it to other professions, it's not always that much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. but it's just like, yeah, the package, but also I have no life. So, and exactly. I mean, it's not the same for everyone across the board. I mean, I'm sure there's some lawyers out there that manage to get that work-life balance going. And maybe like if you practice in certain areas or if you're an in-house lawyer, it might look different. But yeah, the reality is there's a requirement for you to go hard. And so... Exactly. That yeah, works yeah, for some you, people, it's, but not everyone. There is an exchange rate for, you know, having that title, that money and everything else that comes along with it. Yeah. 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 And so when you're working with like C-suite executives, I know that like one of the things that I see amongst clients is that there is an assumption that if you if you come off of this ladder and you come off this path and you go somewhere else, you're going to have to like start at the bottom and take a massive pay cut, which makes a lot of people say, I can't do that because I have responsibilities mm-hmm. and I have. But I've also seen people pivot and not have to take a pay cut and sometimes get a salary increase because they understand how to position their existing experience. So can you speak to like your experience with that? Like when you're working with people who have a whole like, you know, backlog of of experience, how are they initially thinking about packaging that? And then what happens when you work together? Hey, 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 I am super excited because I have a handful of spots open for one-to-one coaching. I am looking to work with more of you who are highly ambitious, very driven, know where you want to get to, but are struggling to get there because you feel as though you're being overlooked and undervalued for the contribution that you're making. You know that you need to get more visible, you know that you need to show up more, you understand that 
creating a personal brand that is speaking for you when you're not in the room is important so that you can move towards your career goals but you don't quite know how to make it happen and for you I am extending the invitation to come and join me inside of Elevate. This is my one-to-one high-touch coaching program that is designed to help you to advance into your next role, secure your next client, position yourself for the opportunities that you want by being intentional with your personal brand, making sure that your digital footprint is tight. Yes, I mean, LinkedIn is looking good and attracting the right opportunities and making sure that you're able to show up with confidence and fully articulate the value that you're able to bring to your next opportunity. I am excited to dig deep come up with your personalized strategy and your plan and support you with the accountability and coaching that is required to help you to get there. So if this sounds good to you, if you know that you need some support with really taking your career to the next level, book a call with me and let's explore you joining the Elevate program. So head over to careerchangemakers.com forward slash call so that you can book a fitting call and then let's have a conversation about whether or not this program is a good fit for you. I look forward to speaking to you. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. You know, I always tell people that there's no, you don't have to take a pay cut, but you may want to, depending on the path that you choose, uh-huh. right? So, and let me let me just speak to that. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna again use myself as an example um, with this. When I obviously when I start practicing law to do organizational work, that was not the same pay, and it wasn't because I wasn't worthy or valuable or had things to offer. It was because the industry does not charge or pay the same way that law firms do. Let's just yep. be honest about that, right? So, but I knew that while I may take a dip that I knew eventually I'd be back on top, right? So, right. so so you just have to think about what direction are you going in? If you're coming out of an, a profession that's paying you a ridiculous amount of money and you want to go into something where just by the very nature of the industry, the pay is not going to be the same, then I wouldn't let that dissuade you from going after what you want because it does yeah. mean that eventually you won't self-correct and be back where you need to be. Yes. Now, there's also the thing that really to move from one profession to the other is also about repackaging. Now, one of the reasons I was able to move from one profession to the other, this is fundamentally what I'm able to help my clients do, is that you shift the narrative around all the things you bring to the table to make it all appealing to the industry that you want to go into. Yeah. Right. So even though I was a lawyer, I was still shifting an entire industry in terms of what I was doing. And I had to present myself as absolutely, I can walk in here and do this work. And let me show you through what I have done, the comparables, so that you can see that I absolutely can do this work. That's fundamental regardless of the journey that you want to take. And the better you're able to tell that story and the better you're able to write that narrative, if you're moving from an industry where the salaries are comparable, then you don't need to worry about dipping down or losing the, the the salary you make. In fact, you could probably make more if you yeah. could tell the story better. Because 
The thing that I try to help people emphasize is coming from a different industry and background actually in so many ways makes you more marketable because you're bringing in such a unique perspective and you're bringing in this creativity and innovation that people who have probably walked the one path don't have because they haven't had the luxury of doing this work in this field or that field or doing it from this perspective or from this vantage point. And so the better you're able to reframe that narrative and tell the story of how what you bring to the table is better for the organization you're moving into, how it's going to impact their bottom line, how it's going to advance innovation and creativity, how it's going to, you know, change the game and how, you know, you do your business, the better you're able you're able to step out of one salary into something even better. Yeah, so, so good. This is, yeah, so on point. Um, That reframe bit is just, it's so important because people can be thinking, I lack experience in this area. And because I lack experience, it means that I can't go in and command a comparable salary or a high salary. But recognizing that it's not about like having done exactly the same thing, but it's about the skill set and then how valuable your existing skill set is, but also your perspective because you are coming from a different background. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. And and just as you said earlier, the thing that you liked about being a lawyer, the skill set you developed as a lawyer, you were able to translate that over into a completely different field. And that's what you have to understand is how do I translate? Because, you know, I always tell people, people are fundamentally lazy. (laughs) So (laughs) you, you, it's on you to connect the dots for other people and not expect them to interpret your background, like look in a crystal ball to try to understand Mm -hmm. what you've done and how it translates. So you have to be the interpreter of your skills in order for people to see the connection and relationship. You have to be able to say, listen, this position requires someone who's able to do XYZ, not just by not just by the description of the responsibilities, but based on those responsibilities, you need someone who understands how to put puzzle pieces together, how to think critically, how to, you know, take disparate pieces and understand how they work in ways, how to take complex language and communicate it in a way that the average person understands. Like these things go again a level deeper, like yes. I talked about, than the than the description or even what the employer is even thinking they need. Right. And if you can go in there and be the interpreter of what you bring to the table and hit all the marks in terms of what they realize they're really looking for, then you're gold. But yeah. you have to know how to do that. You have to know how to see the value of what you bring to the table, not just in your education and your degrees and your certifications, but in how you do what you do, the way you do what you do, the uniqueness that in, in how you do your things. Like if you understand that that is gold, you'll know how to spin it in a way that'll, you know, deliver the coins in the end. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and that is like, the benefit of coaching, shameless plug, because there's (laughs) so many occasions when I speak to clients and they just gloss over certain bits of experience. And I have to say, wait, 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 pause. What did you do? You did what, when? How much? What? (laughs) And they're like, oh yeah, I didn't even realize that that's valuable. You're like, yeah, that's valuable. Like we need to talk more about that. But it's hard to see it because you're in it. And so getting that external perspective can help you to amplify um, the bits that really need amplifying and recognize like where there is gold where you didn't even realize it was there. Absolutely. Listen, and I will second that emotion about you need a coach because, <laughs> you know, when I think about Serena Williams, when I think mm-hmm. about people who are at the top of their game, 
I always say that your superpowers don't work on you. So even though you know, like Serena knows how to play tennis, but she can't see herself and see yeah. maybe how the swing is off or her posture is wrong or the way she is, you know, going after a shot, that there's a delay in what she's doing that she unconsciously doesn't even know this there. And that's why even as great as she is, she's always had a coach. And so for me, I'm like, listen, you're already a player. You already yeah. come to the game skilled, professional, powerful, and fabulous. But there's still some blind spots that you don't see. And that's what a coach is able to do for you is to help you level up your game because they can help you see things that you absolutely can't see because your superpowers don't work on you. Yeah, <laughs> I love that phrase. That's so good. Your superpowers don't work on you. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. This is all just such great stuff. And I love that, like the way that we see things align so well. I love to ask guests that come on the show, like, do you have a favorite phrase, mantra, saying that you like to share with people that you can share with us? Yeah, I do. And I'm probably going to butcher it, but, you know, I will <laughs> summarize it. So it's it's one of my favorite quotes is by F. Scott Fitzgerald. And the the way the quote, the, the quote goes is that, you know, hopefully you are loving your life, but if you're not, there's always an opportunity to change. And I hope that if you come to that point, that you'll have the courage to make the change. Okay, so that's my prayer paraphrasing of the quote, yes. but that's basically what it's saying. And I love that quote. Oh, I love it. I love it because it's that the courage piece yes. that a lot of people miss. Like you can have yes. the like, okay, yeah, I think I want to change, but like actually taking the step. Yeah, Absolutely. Not everyone and that it's never that. too late. Yeah. It's never too late. That's the biggest thing too in that quote. He's like, it's never too late. If you're not happy, it's never too late to change. But yeah, I definitely hope you have the courage when yeah. it's time to go after it. Yeah, oh. favorite quote. <laughs> so good. So if people want to like connect with you, learn more about the amazing work that you're doing, like where should they go to do that? Yeah, the easiest thing to go uh, to, to do is to go to my website. So it's www.carolparkerwalsh.com and you'll find my podcast and blogs and resources and, and other ways that, you know, we can connect and, and, do, and do some crazy stuff together. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing and having such a great conversation. I love geeking out on this stuff. So <laughs> always a pleasure <laughs> to too. have guests on like you. Um, so I will put the links to your website and all the things in the show notes. So thank you again for being here, Carol. It's been awesome. I love it. Thank you for having me. This has been amazing. <laughs> My pleasure. That was such a great conversation. I love the parallels between Carol's journey and my journey and just everything that she was sharing. Totally resonate with it. Totally agree with it. And she's just a pleasure to speak to and have an interview with. And that quote that she shared at the end, so, so impactful. It's one thing to know that you need to change, know that you want to change. But the thing that separates those who do and those who don't is courage. And so I hope that you feel inspired to lean into that courage and make some bold moves in your career. All right, that is all from us today. We'll be back again very, very soon with another career conversation. 
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, then I want to remind you that caring is sharing. Share this episode out with somebody else and head over to your podcast app to leave us a rating and review. For every rating and review that you leave, it helps us reach more people. It helps more people find the show. So I'd appreciate it if you go and do that right now. Thank you so much. Thank you.